everybody. Welcome to Your Team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph, and we are the co-founders and owners of Your Team Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. Today's a big day. Today we spoke with our husbands, Dan and Todd. Mine's Dan, Stephanie's is Todd. Um, and we we had talked about this for years and just never done it. But because this is our last episode before we take a break, we thought this was a perfect time to get them on. And We had a lot of fun. I don't know how much information we shared, but we did have a lot of fun. Um, And so we're going to do the same thing. We wanted to hear from from our husbands what they got out of the experience of your teen. And, you know, we spent the last several years with Hannah. And occasionally, even though Hannah's in her 20s, she would be really fascinated with the information we were getting from our experts. So before we talk to our husbands, we're going to talk to Hannah about... What did she take away from your team with Sue and Steph? So Hannah, let's just start with like, I remember there was one really big one where you were so taken with it. So do you remember what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Also to those who may not remember, um, I was Sue and Steph's producer for about 85, really 90% of the run here. Um, and then Gray and Angel took over on my behalf when I was drowning in other podcasts. So anyway, I've heard almost every single episode of the show. And my favorite episode was actually the one with um, Paul Tuff. I know. I, I, yeah. 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 I know that he's a favorite of the pod. <laughs> he is. Um, a little bit of a crush, actually. I know. I know. I didn't want to go out and say that, but I know that okay. that's the truth. Um, yeah. But his book that he was talking about was called Who Gets In and Why. And as someone who went to NYU as like a white girl of means, I was like, oh, this is humbling. And I just learned a lot about how that process works and how the numbers end up crunching down. And as the title says, who gets in and why? And now, especially in the light of this whole like affirmative action debacle that's going on, like I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. it in that context too. And yeah, that was like a life-changing interview. And then I read the whole book after we interviewed him and it wasn't even because he was a cutie. It was because the content was compelling to me. (laughs) So, But you know what's interesting? I think the content might have a second birth right now because- It is really important for people to understand how admissions works Mm -hmm. and what the Supreme Court ruling just did to that, to any progress forward that we had made. It really just took us back to the white, privileged Mm -hmm. applicant Mm -hmm. who applies. I I loved that. How old are you now? You're not 30. 27. 27, Right. So you were probably like 22 at the time, 23. 24. 24 probably. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I'm saying the fact that you could hear that with a new perspective, I mean, you were pretty freshly out of college. And I love the fact that like it, it piqued your curiosity enough and you heard enough to dive in. Right. And I I love that. I think that's, um, well, you are like a 44 year old woman, but we know you're an old soul, (laughs) maybe a 94 year old woman. So I shouldn't be surprised, but I love, I love that that inspired you to, to learn more. Yeah, yeah, it's it was just really interesting and also as Sue brought up we had this guest um Peggy Ornstein who she is like a parenting expert but also really like heavily weighted into the like 
anti-Disney princess feminism of like the early 2010s. And I read one of her books in high school and did like a whole project on it. And so I felt very starstruck when we had her on the podcast because I am and was a big fan of her work for a long time. So that was exciting. Yeah, actually, we we interviewed her a number of different times, mm-hmm. but I think we only had her on the podcast yeah. one time because yeah. she had, I think she had um, Boys and Sex was her. Right. And that right. book, oh my God, that changed so much for me reading that book because we were so quick to put girls in a category and boys in a category about sex and relationships. And it's really us putting kids that way. Their kids are kids. They want connection and they want meaning and relationship. So that was great. But when you say that you heard Peggy and you had already known her kind of, Mm -hmm. and it was a little bit of a moment for you. So I'm sure you remember this when I overcrushed Kelly, Kelly Corrigan. Yes, yes. I actually redid the intro because I was so over the top, like gushy. And even then it was still embarrassing. <laughs> even the second take of it was still totally embarrassing. You were just excited. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. It was too really too much. We, we all knew that. <laughs> I remember. But I do have a different point that I was thinking about as I was preparing for today's conversation that is like a kudos to you guys, which is... We started this podcast in 2018, and obviously, as a society, as Americans, we have been through so much between COVID and, as they say, like the racial reckoning of summer 2020. And I was always really appreciative of how, of course, you guys always tried to keep it like timely and relevant, Um, but I feel like you guys did a good job of like, you wouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. Like as we're all like growing as white people, especially like I'm the same way. Like you kind of have to make mistakes to learn. And that's not me saying like, I saw you guys fumble over and over again. Cause I didn't, but I feel like the show really made like a concerted effort to speak to those topics and to like help the audience grow as people too. And you very easily could have ignored that and it was never ignored. And I always appreciated that. Well, it's nice that you're saying it. it there were times where it was out of our comfort yeah. zone, like, a, you know, 100% yeah. out of our comfort zone. But it, it was kind of aligned with the mission we set out to do, which is to take tough conversations and make them really for everyone to get information out to people and for ourselves that we maybe have nowhere to turn right. to get the to ask the question. I mean, even asking the question wrong is, is perilous yeah. right now. And so like, how do you figure out how to do it better if you can't hear somebody fumble and figure out differently. So I I think that I appreciate that you brought it up, but I think it it aligns with what we always set out to do. So it's nice to know that we kept true to ourselves, even when it was tough. Absolutely. And there were moments like just getting on to record and it's like (laughs) May, 2020. And we're all just like, well, how's your house? Mine's fine. (laughs) Just talking about how (sighs) crazy things were. And, um, I feel like our dynamic just got more and more casual and like familial-ish over time. And that has just been great. And this was the first podcast that I was ever assigned at Evergreen. So I've learned a lot about producing just through this too. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you remember when we got the the microphones and we were like thinking, you know, that's so nice that they sent them for this short amount of time that we're going to need them, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because we started and it was in person, which I kind of, I did a million in-person recordings for this last podcast I just finished producing. And they are 
great, but like, especially with the speed that we would pull things together sometimes, being able to do it remotely is a dream. It's true. Oh but God. I have to yeah. say, this is this goes back to like fangirling and when we were talking about Kelly Gordon earlier. I had such a thrill when we were in those early days in the podcast studio. I just thought yeah. it was so cool. There is something special about it. And believe me, I love being at home doing it, but I'm so grateful that we got that chance then. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I loved it. I, I really loved it. Okay, but who's your, who was your fangirl one, Steph? Oh, Satellite Sisters. Yeah, that was, it's just, that's just been so fun. But I, I love what you said, Hannah, about just, the conversations and getting more comfortable in it, it really is true. I mean, I'm looking at Hannah and Sue right now as we're recording this, and there have been times where, like, I don't know, someone's internet is wonky, usually mine, and we'll have to, like, turn off the camera. And being able to see each other and read each other's body language is, is so helpful. But that comfort level that we achieved just doing this, and I and, and it is funny because I realize that, like anything, right, you, you get into a cadence and... Sue has taken the the big job of doing all the reading, getting the questions ready. Um, but our banter comes really naturally. And I've loved that. You know, there are things every great while we surprise each other. <laughs> but the cadence is something that I have seen grown, too. And I it's just uh, warm and fuzzy to me. I, I, I do love that. OK, I know it's the husband's time, so I'll say goodbye here. But... I've loved being a part of this team. I feel like Sue and Steph are my bonus moms. I really do feel that way. And um, it's been a pleasure. And I hope the hiatus is good. And obviously, we will stay in touch. Yeah, Hannah, it was a treat for us, too. It was really a treat. Um, and because you're an old soul, it didn't feel as maternal as you might have received <laughs> well, really, it. really, <laughs> just in the sense of, like, there was always nice advice and support from you guys. And I appreciate that. So, yeah, we appreciate you. And up next is our conversation with Dan and Todd. We can't wait for you to join us. Coming up. On 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. We've been having this conversation for about five years since we started the podcast because, in fact, I think the guys, our husbands, wanted to come on and be guests. And so we pushed this off and off and off. And here we are. We're about to take a little break. And we thought, now's the time. Now is the time to have our husbands on. So here's the first question for you guys. What were your thoughts when we started talking about your team, like as as an idea that we were going to do something like your team. Well, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna we were gonna go with a different husband, but he wasn't available. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea, and I thought 
there's definitely a need for it. And then I thought, okay, an attorney and a banker, this is perfect for the media world. But I figured you two were both so bright and I figured you'd be working so hard that you'd figure out everything, which is pretty much what she did. You know, you kept telling me that, oh, you don't have this, you don't have this. And what do you do about you know, teenagers, and it's such a shame. You had Parents Magazine and all that. So my thought was, so just do it. You know, what, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do it. Make it happen. Yes, that is that is entirely true. Dan is the source, the cause of the last 16 years, or 17. Or 19. Yeah, however you can. Thanks a lot, Dan. Right, You're welcome. <laughs> Dan and I were going to wait till later to tell you, but we're starting your tween media. <laughs> So, just kind of a more focused niche. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the next sixteen years. And you guys are going to do it. That's so great. You should do your. You should do your. Um, your adult children. That's the one that you guys should do. Mm. Nobody yeah. wants to watch that show. Yeah, they really want my input anyway. <laughs> Yeah. You could, you know what? It's no one wants your input, and no one wants to watch listen to What has been the most difficult part of raising teenagers? Honestly, I don't think it was so difficult for me because I had the pleasure of having Sue take care of most of it. Um, my role is mainly to stay out of the way and not screw things up too badly. Um, that's my role. Um, I'm very good at it. So not true. I don't know why you just said that, but let's move forward. I think for me, it was wondering what's around the corner, what's next. I felt like it was always changing. And with three kids, we never knew what was the next big transition. And and so for me, I think that was was one of the hardest parts. I would say one of the other things I struggled with was whenever our kids, it was in our case, it was especially our two boys, whenever they would be disrespectful or talk back to me. I always struggled with that because I never talked back to my dad and I didn't live with my dad. So when I was growing up, there wasn't that opportunity the same way that that our kids had. So I guess I always wanted them to appreciate that a little bit more. It's interesting because I'm going to follow up with a question, Todd. To me, that what you just said is that your kids felt safe with you. And so they were able to talk back to you and you were like kind of in a visiting relationship with your dad. So you were on best behavior. So that sounds like a beautiful story that your kids felt safe enough. Can you go back and tell me that like 15 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) The next question is, the question assumes that you guys didn't read your teen, that you, that it was siphoned through your, your wives, but you can take it either way, because if you were reading every newsletter and every article and the information was coming to you firsthand, then tell us what the best advice you received from your teen was. And and if it was through one of us, you can attribute it that way also. So what was the best advice you think you got under the umbrella of your teen? For me, it was, Steph would say, was also, I did read, I did read all the magazines, by the way, when it was print, I read everyone cover to cover. But it was kind of this notion of, you don't have to hit them over the head with teaching them a, a lesson or to making a point. It's just they'll learn by us modeling or they'll learn by just observing some of the things that we would be talking about. It wasn't like, oh, let me sit down and make this point. Steph would say, you don't have to do it that way. So it's one good piece of advice. I think we can thank Suzanne Steffs for that because I feel like she is the, the owner of that advice that I always loved, right? Good one, Todd. I like that one. I, just, I think mine's kind of related. And uh, I also, by the way, 
read every magazine and even read most of the online articles. I think the biggest thing for me was, and it's still a challenge, uh, that you don't have to fix and solve everything for your teenagers. Sometimes life is just hard, especially as a teenager, and maybe just listen, be on their side, be an ally. I think that that was probably the best lesson I got from you know both you and the magazine so, and the website. And both of us still remain terrible at it. Oh yeah, that is, <laughs> the solve question is what are you failing at, and that's it. <laughs> the other advice I don't know that it ever appeared in print, but Steph would say hope is not a strategy. Just hoping that you're going to get do better on the test, or just hoping that whatever it is that they're wishing for is going to happen, you you may have to work for it. You may have to plan for it. You may have to take some other steps to some other actions and, and preparation for that. Yeah, a hard life lesson. So did your teen impact your parenting? It definitely did impact my parenting. Uh, again, I'm not necessarily a success in all ways and not a success in many ways, but a few ways. And I think that um, understanding some of the things they're going through uh, is helpful. One thing that I, I think helped me a lot and actually helps me in other work relationships and things as well is that you can't fix other people. You can only fix yourself. So if like my kid is upset because one of their friends is not acting the way they want to, or their teacher's doing whatever, or there's a bully or whatever, unfortunately you can't go in and change the other person, but you can change how your kid reacts, what they do in the situation, how they avoid those situations or whatever you can do. And I think that that is something that I think I was able to implement. I, maybe Sue will correct me on that, but I think I was able to implement it. And I think I use it at work too. But I want to correct one thing yeah. for the listeners. Dan is an unbelievable father. And the play that we're having right now is a narrative we have in our family, but uh, our kids are so lucky to have him as a dad. So I, I don't want any of this to be like, Dan has to check with me to see if that's the truth or not. He's a great dad. And, and within that, one of the biggest things I always disagreed with the experts on is that we were never on the same page about parenting. And, um, and you know, it's like there's this, this mindset in, in our culture of like the parents have to be on the same page in order to raise the kids. But I think we gave our kids really healthy perspective on things because we weren't on the same page. You know, they got their sense of humor from Dan and I was more about meeting the goals that you said and, and kind of being responsible. And Dan was fun. And I think that's a really good balance. I actually don't, I think like this idea that, you know, I mean, Dan never followed bedtime. He was kind of like the, the fun uncle, you know, <laughs> like, and they, they love that. They appreciate that. I, so I think that's a good point because I, I think our values are the same, but we do come at things differently. And I think I agree with you, like that we were able to offer them different things at different times. Like, and so I know you and I both share this role. Like we're the editors, we're the proofreaders, we're the, right. And then like Todd's the, let's go see the new Pixar movie. Let's go. And others do like, it's just funny how those things happen. And I agree with that. I think that's like, I don't think it's any different than the friends I have, like where I need a certain thing. I know his friend's going to give me that for the most part, <laughs> you know, in that moment. And I, I actually, I agree with you. I think it gives them a really nice, nice balance and, you know, nice uh, safety net. It's also not just a fun or not fun thing, fun restricting. I think that there are different perspectives. So one of our kids was, and maybe it's better now, painfully shy and growing up and as a teenager, Sue was often perplexed, like, why can't you go up to that other kid? Why can't you call these people? Why can't you go to the party? And it was painful watching it because I could tell how much in pain my daughter was because I was the same way. And she didn't get it, but I got it. And I think that balance yeah. of things really 
added value. Yeah, it probably saved that kid. Yeah, that's a great example. So, you know, Steph and I live in a world of moms. And um, even before we did your teen, like we were women who reached out to other women to get advice and support around raising kids. And I think now we would get more articles written by dads. And some of them were even by choice, the ones at home and the mom was out with the career. So I, I was wondering, do you have like, other than us, did you have people outside of us who you shared your fears and your worries and even sometimes your triumphs as it came to as it related to parenting teenagers? I'd say yes, but on a very limited basis. And also, I would say somewhat guarded. So that's why I think some of the advice that you put forth in all the articles and with the panels and sharing all the experts was so beneficial because some other stuff is just, it is hard to, it's hard to talk about. So I do think that that was another great thing that you provided by doing this was uh, for people that, you know, I could just read an article or I could listen to the panels speak on some of your live events and I could garner information that was useful in that regard. And actually, like, even without being vulnerable in that moment, like, I remember, Steph, you you had that whole thing about Friday night, your kid being home, and then you read an article. Yeah. So, like, that is what we set out to do. We set out to help people. It is really vulnerable to talk about your kids to other people's kids, especially if they're not on the same page. Like, I'm sure we've all been there where we reveal some whole story about our kid and then the other person goes, oh, that's too bad. And you're like, wait, you're not going to say to me that's happened to you. It happens to everyone. It has to have happened to you. But So that imbalance can be so vulnerable and you can instead read the article or hear the expert and feel like, okay, I'm not alone. Do you think that guys are more guarded in general? Like That was going to be my answer, because my answer is no. I didn't have anybody else that I really talked to or shared anything with. And I, although it's stereotypical, I think guys don't share as much as women about anything. And their relationships are more superficial in general. And having weaknesses or fears or concerns about your kid are, are difficult to share. And I think that the magazine... You know, obviously your team media was probably as beneficial to men who got involved as women because those men who got involved really didn't have any other source for learning that some other than their wives who might get it from others. So yeah, I think it's very important. I want to just comment that I'm sorry that we uh, should be more gender neutral because there are same-sex partners and um, and and just partnerships in general and co-parenting. And so we're talking about our lives and our lives are heterosexual partners in a marriage. But I, I believe it applies to everyone else. Right. And I agree. And I do think things are changing to some degree. I mean, I, you know, 20 years older than potentially some of the parents now just has, having starting to have teenagers. And I think Parenting is different in general now. There's more sharing and more openness probably. I, I remember, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I remember being in synagogue one time with my youngest, who was you know, probably three or four, talking to some other, other adults whose oldest was around three or four. And they were talking about some of their child things and development things and school things. I'm like, I don't even know what class he's in or who's teachers. What, what are you talking to me for? Don't ask me that stuff. Where's my wife? And so I think things are different. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. Do you think your kids benefited from your team having their moms run this company? I, I think our kids would wish you weren't, that you hadn't done that. I have the same answer. I think our kids would say no, but they're wrong. I think they benefited a lot, Yeah, but they would say no. I think they didn't necessarily like having their stories shared all the time, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that I think that was a challenge was depending on how vulnerable that was, like, I... I 
think both of us let our kids read everything before we shared it. And so um, there was one time where I was arguing with a kid and they just walked out of the room dismissively and said, you know what, just write an article. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bother having this. I will. I will. (laughs) I'm actually thinking that I may have been more of a target because I was like, they would look at Steph and say, well, we can't go against her. She is all the psychologists and all the panel experts and all these, uh, these people who know what they're talking about. We'll go, we'll focus on, on going against dad. Well, they're always rocking me. I'm always the weak one. And they're smart. They know what to ask. But I do think they benefited for sure. For sure. I just don't know how much they would admit it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like so grateful for the opportunity to have, I mean, I think both of us have talked about this so much. Like it, it changed me so much as a parent. I can't even, and I think I was a good parent before, but I often didn't know what to do. And then we would have these experts who would just like hand us, feed us this, like, how about greeting your kids at the door after school a little differently? And it was a game changer. I think being a good parent is different than having a good relationship. I would say that your teen really helped with the relationship part of it. You know? Yeah, no, I was going to go back to exactly what Dan said. We're like, just to be an ally. I felt like it, it put me better in that seat to just, I always pictured myself sitting on the same, like a picnic bench, a picnic table. I always pictured putting myself next to them. I would say that was Amy Spidell for me, who did this whole exercise of when we mm. stand behind them to catch them and when we go in front of them to lead them. But when we stand side by side, that's that's like the real power of parenting. It was beautiful. Okay, so from day one, you both were unbelievable supporters of this project. I mean, it was like nothing that you expect, but so satisfying to hear. And I I experienced it personally, and I heard about it from Steph, that we just really married two really good dudes. And you were there really supporting this from day one. So I know that Todd did some crazy stuff in the beginning in support of your teen. So, uh, you know, tell us now. Well, I kept thinking to myself, this information should be shared with every parent. There was so much to learn and benefit from. And so I think it was probably started in year two. I would start sending copies of the magazine to Oprah and uh, I would try and get you on her show or get noticed by her. And so I would, I would write her these, these personal notes and I would say, you have to meet these two amazing ladies and here's what they've, they've done so far. And with your help and support, I'm sure you could take them global or international. So I would send her. So you're, so you're friends with Oprah. I, I am. Oprah's received a <laughs> lot of mail from me. I was wondering if some point I would get the call to say, stop sending Oprah Winfrey <laughs> information. And every year I would do it. I would, I started being more creative and, or trying to be more clever and to get her to open it, and I, you know, live kitten inside or, you know, something like that oh, on God. the envelope where I would send like bigger boxes that were filled with like peanuts and three copies of the magazine. But it was like a big <laughs> box. And so I tried well, to get you, you both on Shark Tank, but I, I filled everything out. But then I, I had to submit a video and I wasn't going to do a video of me. So <laughs> that's where that Shark Tank thing fizzled out. I don't think I did anything that big. Um, although, you know, I don't want to hint or anything, but you did have Michelle Obama as an interview. And I don't know if I had anything to do with that or not, but. You did. You did because your sister married our friend who was friends with the guy who got us the interview. So you're welcome. You're welcome. 
Thank so, you. you know, Thank you. So I, know I didn't do anything as big as Todd. My, my limited experiences were to tell everybody I met who had kids and teenagers about the website. And I kind of told everybody, wrote it down, yourteammag.com, yourteammag.com. And I would I work with a lot of people in the hospitals or wherever. So I told them. And then the other thing I, I just remember is every time I'd go to Barnes & Noble, I would take your magazines from like the bottom or the back and I put them right in front, like on top of Time Magazine and People Magazine because yours are much more important. So we did that also. And I think they started watching us. So many people. We got yeah. that idea from Kelly Corrigan, whose yeah. mother used to go in and move her book in the, on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. Oh, you know what else I did? I, used to, I, I went around the hospital. I, I put your magazines at all the doctor's waiting offices. Oh, you did? I did that too. Yeah. And all their yeah. offices. Yeah. That was great. I put them in the surgery waiting areas, all the waiting areas, the hospital, all the doctor's offices. Yep. Thank you both. That's excellent. They are good dudes. Okay, so we are going to wrap this up with the same question we ask all of our guests, which is, what's the biggest myth about raising teenagers? I think one thing some parents might think is that if they're more cracked down and do more discipline on their on the teenagers, that they'll get them to change their behavior. And I think that's, I think it's the opposite. I think a lot of times the harder you push on that, the worse of a result you're going to get. I don't think, Steph, you and I didn't really, we didn't really do that too often. But there were a few times where I probably would have, where I tried that, it didn't work. So I don't think it's a successful strategy for, for dealing with teenagers. I love that, Todd. I think it's counterintuitive, especially from the way we were raised. But I think it's so true. Like the love goes much further than the, the punitive approach. I think my answer would be similar. I think the the myth is that uh, teenagers are terrible and they're horrible and it's so impossible to rage them and all that. And I think that it's a blast. It was, it was so much fun and it was really enjoyable. And like anything in life, there are some times that are a little tougher than others, but I think there's a lot of really fun, great times where you can really enjoy your kids as they're becoming and learning to be adults and you know, maybe experimenting a little bit. But all of a sudden they're not kids and they come up sometimes and they're just fun to be with sometimes. So I think they're not terrible. They're great. All right, guys, you were awesome. It was worth the wait. <laughs> Our two True. biggest fans. Yeah. Our two thanks. biggest fans. It was great being on the show today. Yeah. And uh, you two, kudos to you two for starting something and building it from the ground up and continuing to pivot and change your platform. And, and uh, if you look at where you started from print magazines so all the way to uh, what you did with the website and podcasts and helping parents navigate college process, you impacted so many families along the way in a very positive way. Yeah, I think that uh, not only was it great being on today, it was great watching it for the last 17 years and all that you've done. And uh, mm. again, I, I, you know, can't say how much uh, and what Todd's saying you helped so many people and you know it, whether it was just you know a neighbor or a friend or someone who you didn't even know I mean I remember you telling me and showing me some of the emails you would get from parents in Australia and California wherever and you really impacted a lot of lives so congratulations nicely done all right well thank you for being guests on uh, our last pre-hiatus episode and this was really fun thanks for joining us today if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. You can follow Your Teen on Facebook by searching Your Teen for Parents and on Instagram and Twitter at Your Teen Mag. Okay, so we're, we're two moms who share everything. We read an article and we go like, oh my God, my friend, my friend has that same story. We listen to a podcast and we think to ourselves, who can we share this with? It was so good. And we're hoping you're the same. 
We're hoping you're listening to our podcast, Your Team with Sue and Steph, and you're so excited by what you're hearing that you're sharing it with a friend. We're so grateful in advance for you doing that because that changes our whole story. We get much more exposure and we want everyone to hear what our fabulous, talented experts have to say to help us raise our teenagers. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com and listen to all our episodes on evergreenpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus our favorite producer, Hannah Leach, and audio engineer, Gray Longfellow. We'll see you next time. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.